Just um, so uh, it, it is exciting to have you with us on uh, on this Sunday. We are uh, it's the summer, and so we move around. We do different things all of the time. How many of you were in the sanctuary last week when I preached? All right, you may want to leave because um, you're about to hear the same thing. Uh, I'm sorry. But I'm lazy, uh, and, you know, I wasn't expecting you to be here, uh, really. Let's be honest. How many of you remember what I talked about last week that were there? One. Okay, good. See, the rest of you are in the remedial class with me, and you need to be here again. So uh, we are in this, uh, this series of the greatest children's Bible stories ever told, um, and we have been having a competition, if you remember, uh, there are coloring sheets in the back table. It, it's gone. Oh, my gosh. It's like they, we prayed it away. Uh, there are coloring sheets back there with colors um, for this week. Last week, uh, these were the finalists, or two weeks ago, um, and the winner was Hannah Good. Hannah Good was Hannah Great. Um, she, uh, she didn't just color there. She created a whole scene, and that captured my attention. And so she was at the first service. Hannah is about this tall, as cute as can be. They came up and got her prize and was very excited. She turned in another one because she's going for back-to-back championships. Um, So the gauntlet by Hannah has been thrown. Um, But we are continuing on uh, on our journey here. But before we get into it, um, I I did want to uh, to mention a thing. It's been a tough week here at the church. Uh, I sound like Lake Wobegon again, but uh, it has been a tough week here at the church. We have uh, we've had five deaths uh, this week. Which is a lot. Um, we're a big church, and you might not think that that is a lot, but um, it actually is uh, for us. And um, three of those deaths were, uh, were great pillars of this church. Were women that were um, just amazingly faithful for a long, long time here. Um, Mary Nan Sistrunk, uh, many of you may know her daughter uh, more than she. Her daughter is Mary Lou Russell who plays the organ and the piano in the sanctuary. And Nan um, was this amazing firecracker of, of a woman who is 94, just got a new car. Yeah, 94, just got a new car. Um, it was still driving, and it was very, very unexpected um, for Nan. And uh, Mary Lou um, and, and Nika, if you, uh, if you know Nika Jenkins, um, they're sisters, actually. Uh, it's uh, a, a great loss for them. Um, and then Margaret Barnes, um, many of you may remember Margaret. She was, uh, she's about this tall and, um, like Hannah, really, she, but they're about the same size. Um, but Margaret was in her nineties and, uh, well, I'm doing her funeral on Tuesday. And one of the things that she said, she didn't, she, and she wrote this, do not say that I was sweet. Um, and if you know Margaret, she wasn't, um, sweet at all. She wasn't, uh, even remotely sweet. She was caring. Um, but not sweet, and uh, was just such a wonderfully funny, funny uh, woman who who served uh, the seniors on the go for years, and, and the Thursday lunch bunch here in the CLC, and um, and just did some amazing things at our church, and and, and then um, the third pillar, which is closest to my heart, um, and I have her seat uh, back there in the in the center aisle, um, is is my granny Virginia Corrigan um, passed, and Virginia. Uh, was the, the, the oldest, the, the longest tenured member at our church. She joined our church in 1929 um, and uh, was baptized a few years later in 1932. If you go to the 100-year um, uh, memorial, like uh, a mass of pictures and stuff, timeline thing that we did, it's hanging somewhere in one of these halls. 
And you go to the very uh, beginning, one of the first pictures we have at this church is, uh, is of a little house and these steps and a little girl sitting on that. And that's Granny. And so uh, <laughs> it's a, a deep loss for our community, these three women, three pillars, um, three giant women of faith who served God and loved God in deep and wonderful ways. Um, and, and they will be missed. But the way that God works is God doesn't take something away without giving you something in return. Um, and so many of you, since you're 11 o'clock people, know the Colliers, uh, Wes and Kristen. They are um, communion servers, um, faithful communion servers at 11 o'clock. Wes actually showed up at 930, which I was shocked and surprised about because they just had triplets. Um, they had three little boys, Owen, Samuel, and Jack, um, formerly known as babies A, B, and C. Um, and, uh, but they are here and, um, and doing well and holding their own. Uh, and I think it's Jack maybe who's on the oxygen more still or no? Jack, yeah. Um, but they are they're doing great. And Kristen got home yesterday. And um, just what an amazing thing of God um, when he, uh, you know, three pillars go home to be with him. He replaces them with three terrors. Um, and, and I said that with Wes there, and Wes is like, <laughs> just has no clue, really. This, and the, these are their first, by the way. You know, let's go ahead and just open. I know everybody, everybody that has children just went, <gasps> yeah, open with three. Well done, Colliers. Um, so there you go. So. Uh, just a wonderful thing uh, going on in our church. So uh, we are in, uh, last, last week, uh, I, I, uh, I had the pleasure of preaching in the big house down the hall. And, um, and they, they're doing this series on uh, kind of mentorship. Uh, I, I wasn't really clear, but this is kind of what I thought it was. So I went with Paul and Timothy. And, and so uh, the first book of Timothy, this is my son's Bible, by the way, that he got at summer camp um, this week at TBRM. Omega, oh, oh, Omega, and uh, and he wanted me to use this, although the print is so small. It says this in the first book of Timothy, chapter one: Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, in in this opening to the two letters to Timothy that Paul writes, you have this statement, to my true son of faith, to my true son of faith. Such an important line in the relationship of Paul and Timothy. If you know the story, we first hear about Timothy in the book of Acts, chapter 16. Timothy is a mumser. Say mumser. Mumser is a bad word. I can't believe you just said that in church. Um, it, it's a, it's a, the, the Jewish term for um, a child born without maybe a father um, around. You, you can figure that out for yourself. I'm not going to say it like you people did. Uh, but uh, so what, what was happening is um, Timothy was born. He had both a father and a mother, uh, but his father was Greek and his mother was Jewish. And because of that, because of the fact that his father was, was a Greek, none of the Jews would have anything to do with him. He was an outcast. Because his mother was a Jew, none of the Greeks really wanted anything to do with him either. So he was just kind of left there. But the thing about Timothy was something special was inside of him. 
Something amazing that just kind of bubbled up and came out. And so the group, he was from Lystra, and the group of people that lived in Lystra who got to, got to know Timothy noticed something special about him. So when Paul comes through on one of his missionary journeys, they're like, Paul, you've got to meet this kid, Timothy. There's something amazing in him. And so Timothy becomes Paul's disciple. Paul takes him under his wing. And from that moment, it's essentially a father-son relationship. And what we have in these letters is Paul's fatherly advice to Timothy because Paul is in prison and he, his, his missionary journeys are coming to an end and he sees this. And so he's writing to Timothy and he's like, okay, here's, here's the last things I need to get you to know. Here's the things I know that you've been following me. I know you've been as a good disciple. You've been watching everything I've been doing. You've been listening to everything I've been saying. You've been trying to be just like me. And so because of that, because I know that this is how you're living, I know that you know these things, but it's just, i got to tell you, just one last time. You ever feel the need to do that to your kids, parents? I, when I was a teacher, I taught fifth grade, and um, at the end of the year, uh, I would gather the kids up in the, the center of the floor, and I'd have them sit on the floor. Because, you know, it, you're, the teachers are supposed to get, you know, push all the desks to the sides, put the chairs up, and, and get it ready once the kids are gone. But I saw a bunch of 10-year-olds as free labor. I'm like, no, hey, y'all move your desk. Let's clean this stuff up. Where are we going to sit, Mr. Crocker? On the floor, right? I was trying to show them that no one will care about them in junior high the way that I did. And so we were starting this process now. So we'd sit on the floor, and, and, I, would, and I would give them the last bit. Of, like, it was like, okay, here are the things that you need to know. And I would just like try to give them the advice because I, I was afraid for them going to junior I remember junior high. And, and I was afraid. I was like, okay, you're my kids. And I would try to give them the last bit of wisdom and advice that they would forget over the summer and just get beat up anyway the next year. So I, it was just one of those things that I needed to do. What I've been doing um, with my own kids is I've been writing them letters periodically. And they, yes, he has. They don't know. He goes, he has? Yeah. They don't know this yet. Spoiler alert, Corbin. Um, but I keep them, and I'm not going to tell him where because he's listening now, uh, in a place, and eventually I'll, I will give them to them. But what I'm doing is I'm just writing some, some letters of things that I want them to know. You, you see this sense about Paul that he has such a deep love for Timothy. And if you go through this stuff, it, it's a lot of, you know, when you're choosing elders, do this and that. It, it's a lot of uh, the inner workings of what Paul did. And he's trying to go, okay, these are the things that made me successful at beginning communities of faith in the places where I was. Do these things. There's going to be false teachers out there and false prophets. That's okay. Don't be afraid of them. Just, you know, confront them and handle them this way and different things. And, but then he finishes um, with, with what I think is the most shaping thing. In the second book of Timothy, he says this, Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophius sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Abulus greets you, and so does Pudens, Linus, Lucy, Charlie. Um, just, just Linus is in there. Claudia and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. And his final greetings to Timothy and his final greetings to his son. What he does is he goes familiar. He starts dropping names. Say hi to these people. These people say hi to you. These people are over here. This guy was sick in here. In other words, what he's saying to Timothy right there is, hey, by the way, check on this guy. I left him sick in my leaders. 
And he's just dropping these names. Right, right above this, he, he says, um, gosh, where is it? Uh, it it's, I can't read this. Uh, so I, I, that's all right, Corbin, thank you. He says, you know, I, hey, by the, when you're going through this place, I left my coat at so-and-so's house. Pick it up for me, essentially. And, and all these different things. The, the last part of this letter, of, of this fatherly letter to his son, is all about people Paul knows. And subsequently, so does Timothy. Now, what that tells me is that wherever Paul was, he got to know people. Wherever Paul was, he got to know people in such a way that while he was away from them, his heart longed to be with them. Say hi to these people. This person's sick. You need to check on them. In Philippians, he's writing back to the people of Philippi, and he says um, that there's this argument going on between these two ladies. And he's like, hey, 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 remind these two women the things that I told them when, when I was there. Remind them of what we are supposed to do. Stop this bickering and fighting. See, Paul has this fatherly heart for the people where he was because he knew them. Wherever he was, he was. Whatever community that he found himself living in, he lived in that community and knew that community. And that community knew him. I think this is one of the most important lessons that Paul gave Timothy. Is wherever you are, be invested there. Don't just be there as a landing spot till you move somewhere else. When I was a kid, I, I said that last time I preached in here, the David and Goliath thing, I talked about how much I moved around. Born in Houston and lived all over Texas, the East Coast, the West Coast, the Midwest, um, the Deep South, Mexico, all these different places. We moved all over the place. Connecticut to Louisiana. Bah! You know, I mean, that's wow. No offense. Louisiana to San Francisco area. Bah! Even, you know, even weirder. Culture shock. All these different things. But wherever we went, my parents did a couple of things. My mom, wherever we would get into town, would do a few things. She would get involved in the local PTO or PTA or whatever initials they went by in the local city. She would get involved in the welcome wagon. Anybody know what the welcome wagon is? The few old people? Yeah, Um, because I think it's all you. So the welcome wagon is this place where somebody moves into town, and you go and you share some information about the community, and you give them little gifts and things like that, and... She would be, we'd be in town for like a week and she'd already be welcoming other people into the community. Welcome to our community. You know, like you, you don't even live here really. Um, but she got involved to meet people. She, she would find out wherever the uh, local museums were and she would take um, the three of us kids to go see these museums. And, and she would find out the different things that made that community unique. What is it that makes this community this community? And let's go see these and investigate these and learn about these things. We would find the little theater programs wherever they were. When we were up in the Northeast, we'd close enough to Broadway, we'd go to Broadway. Yay. When we were down in Ruston, Louisiana, we'd go to Monroe, you know, and whoa, and and go over there and and see Fiddler. I remember seeing Fiddler on the Roof in Monroe, Louisiana. A bunch of Cajuns uh, acting like Jews. It was great. and, and, you know, just all these different places. But she got us involved in the community, in the heart of the community, and what was going on. And she made us meet people. And she made us get invested in relationships with where we were living. She would get involved in these local bird watching clubs, too. 
And she had these special binoculars that she was really keen on and, and would go and she'd meet all these people and they'd go out. Thankfully, um, we also had my father. And my father, um, while my mother was looking at birds, would find out what the local hunting regulations were and then we would eventually go shoot those same birds. Um, <laughs> And we would get involved in um, local Ducks Unlimited chapters and, and go to their banquets and meetings and, and meet the people who were uh, like-minded like us who liked to hunt and fish and do those things. And, and, and he would make us meet people as well. And we'd find out whatever little sporting thing was around. If it was a, a Major League Baseball team nearby, we were there and we were invested in that team. Um, if it was a minor league team, we'd go there. If it was a college when we were in Ruston, we'd go to Louisiana Tech games all the time. We would be invested in the place where we lived. We got to know that community. So much so that my parents have dear, dear friends all over the place. All over the place. They write letters. They, they have phone calls. My mom still has the bird watchers group that meets, like, I think it's every other October somewhere. And they, like, look at birds and stuff. But wherever they were, they were. When they moved away, their heart longed for the people that they left behind. I think that's such a key element. And the reason I think that is because when you live in a community, if you don't engage with that community, you're failing in your call to be a son and daughter of God. If you live in a community and you don't know the people around you, then you're not being a disciple. See, we have this modern sense that when we get home, we go into our homes and your home is your castle and you pull up your drawbridge and you set out your alligators and you're like, nobody come to my, no soliciting, no one come to my house. We go inside these things and we just stay this like insulated life instead of knowing the people around us. So I think what Paul is setting up for Timothy is wherever you are, know those people and be known by them. Right? Because that's the flip side of that coin. Is if you know them, they also have to know you. So you invest in your neighborhood. You invest in the place where you live. Wherever, whatever that community is, know the people who live around you. So much so that when something's going wrong in their life, you see it. And you reach out. How many of you know someone around your neighborhood that you feel comfortable enough just walking in the door? Remember when we used to do that? Remember when that was okay? The people that lived next door to us on our left side, um, Mr. Bill and Chi. Um, thank you for Mr. Bill, the giggles, Saturday Night Live giggles. Thank you, Mr. Bill. I know, I do, I do it every time. Um, yeah, Mr. Bill uh, and, and she always, they, they have this wonderful backyard area and this huge fence, um, and they come and go through the back. They, they, I don't think I've ever seen their front door in the eight years that we've lived there open. They're, they're back door people, um, and, and that's how they live. And so we rarely see them. Um, for all we know, it's like Boo Radley living next door. And, um, but periodically we have a spotting, like, ooh, there's Mr. Bill. So the other day... I, I, was, um, I was out uh, doing yard work. Glad you're all seated for that because um, that is shocking. Um, so I was doing the weed eating. And, um, and J- Jenna mows, and she, um, and she allows me to do the weed eating. And so I, I was doing the weed eating in, in our front yard, and I was, I was almost done. I'm like, I have like 
that much to go. Just a little strip. And it's in between our house and Mr. Bill's. So I'm going and I'm doing my thing and I see Mr. Bill's gate open. So I know Mr. Bill's about. He must be doing something in the front. I haven't seen Boo yet, but he's somewhere. And, uh, and so I, I'm doing the weed eating and then boom, out he pops. I stop because it's neighborly. And I'm like, hey, Mr. Bill, what's going on? I, I say Bill. I don't call him Mr. Bill to his face. Um, hey, Bill, uh, what's going on? And he goes, oh, man, we just got back from Alaska. Oh, really? That's great. How was it? How was it? Three words that cost me 25, 30 minutes. Because he told me. I mean, he told me, like, they were there for almost two weeks, and he went agenda, day by day agenda. Seven o'clock, we woke up. We had a great continental breakfast at this little place. It was awesome. Real fresh squeezed orange juice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, and he just went on and on about his trip. He was just, he, he was so excited about the trip that he and his wife had taken. Just so excited about this amazing trip that he'd taken. Just went through all of this stuff, and I'm standing there. So here's, here's the picture. He's standing up against his house. In the shade. I'm standing up against our house. Not so much in the shade. And I don't know if the temperature in your neighborhood is like it is in ours recently. But it's pretty hot over there. Um, I'm just dripping with sweat. I'm just, I've been out there for a while doing this weed eating. I had that much to go. I'm just sweating like I had just jumped in a pool. And he's telling me, and I'm saying, oh, man, that's great. That's, you know, I can just, it's, it's just, that's great, Mr. Bill. Um, oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, I bet she loved driving on that road for 400 miles, bouncing up and down. I bet she loved, it sounds just like her. I don't know. I, you know, I have no idea what she would like. But all this stuff, you know, I'm just sitting there. At one point he goes, wow, are you hot? No, what gave you that? Is there somebody standing behind you? I'm starting to see things, you know, and I'm like just really just wasting away here. But here's the thing. Um, I got to hear that he had a son. I didn't know he had a son. He's a son that lives in Colorado. Like you have, I knew he had a daughter because she lives with him. You have a son? Oh, yeah. It was a side story from Alaska. I didn't know that about him. That's where his daughter was. I'd wonder where she was. She's with her brother, Colorado, for a couple of weeks. So I kid, does he have another room? Um, but the fact that I just stood there and listened to him, I got to know him a little bit more. That's, a, that's exactly what I should be doing. I, I didn't not he knows what I do for a living. He knows that I work here. He knows I'm a pastor. Not once did I say, oh, man, that's great. Alaska is so beautiful. Can't you just see how God formed it all? Yeah. Were you just awestruck by the power of God? You know, dropping scripture about the mighty mountains, you know, and no, I didn't do that. Hey, when you were on that road bouncing around, were you? Praying to God that she would forgive you for this stupid idea, you know? No. I just listened. I was about to say I acted like I cared. 
But I actually did. Because he's my neighbor. I wanted to hear the story. Yeah, it was hot. Yeah, it took me a little longer than I wanted to get back to my water. But it was like the water's nowhere near here. But it was it's what I should be doing. I need to get to know him. I need for him to understand that I care. So that if something ever does go wrong, he knows he can call me. He knows he can knock on my door. Hey, Michael, we need help with this. No problem. How many of us know our neighbors so well that we feel comfortable going up to them and knocking on their doors? How many of us know the people in our neighborhood, in our community? How many of us know our community so well and are also known? Do you make it a point to live in your community in such a way that you're a known character? Do you live in your community in such a way that, that people know who you are and know, they, they, they don't know that you're like, you walk around with, with your new Lego type Bible and go, do you know where you're going to go if you die tonight? But you live your life in such a way that they know that you care and they know that you love and they don't know what it is exactly about you, but they know that there's something different. And that they know that there's something warm and whole and loving inside of you. And so that when that time comes and you're sitting at local coffee or you're at Bird Bakery or you're at Big Hops or wherever you are. And they come in and they see you and they've just had that week. And because they know you and you know them, they sit down and they say, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I think Paul was teaching Timothy is to live his life in such a way that people could do that. Was to live his life in his community in such a way, wherever he was, be so invested in that community that he would be a haven for peace. My goal in my neighborhood, life on the edge as we call it, Is that our house is known as a house of safety and peace and love and sugar and eggs, cold beer, whatever. You come by. We're going to take care of you. I have a story about Wes Collier, the dad who's freaking out right now. Kristen spent um, a month in the hospital before the babies were born. And that's just not fun. Um, and the second or third day she was in there, maybe the second day I went in and, and I sat with her and I was just talking to her. And I went, wow, no, this is going to be great. Uh, it's a beautiful room. You have a great view of the park, parking lot. It's a beautiful parking lot that you can see for a month. Um, and I was talking to her and, and she tells me that um, they're about to begin remodeling their kitchen. I said, you, you know that you're about to have three kids, right? She's like, yeah, I know. Just the timing worked out. I'm like, no, no, it didn't. I don't think you understand, <laughs> A, what timing is, or two, what's about to happen to you. I know, but this is just, you know, okay. Um, does Wes need help with anything? 
Well, he's got to um, pack up the entire kitchen so that they can start remodeling um, in the next couple of days so that we can get this done as quickly as possible. Oh, well, okay, good. Has he told anyone about this? Well, no. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So I call Wes, Wes, and I'm like, hey, I hear you're remodeling um, and having triplets. Do you need help? Oh, that'd be great. It's like, why why didn't you, like, call or send up a flare of pain and danger? And so I I sent something, I put something out on the city and... um, an email, and I was asking for help and, and volunteers, and and uh, and so the day came. We we all go over there. I was the first one to show up, um, by the way, just to let you know. Uh, it's also the first one to leave, um, by the way, uh, just to let you know. Uh, I show up and I start, and I walked in and I was like, oh boy, it was like Kristen was clearly in the hospital um, because Wes had stuff everywhere, like. It was just like he was living his life as a bachelor. I mean, there was newspaper everywhere. There was, like, dishes out and, and like, stuff. And I was like, you're not even ready to pack yet. Um, oh, my gosh. So Wes and I uh, surveyed the scene. Um, we, you know, we, we just sat back and kind of looked at it. And I was like, all right, I think my work here is done. Um, because the people who actually really helped, Jordan and Amanda and some others and Cindy, showed up. And, and I just like, I had a drink and left, uh, and, and they, Wes sends me a picture about an hour and a half later and it was done. I mean, these, these girls just went, took it all out. And, and they, I think they pretty much told Wes, you go over there. You know, you, you just go somewhere else and let us do this. And that's exactly what we should have done. That's what we should have done. The next time you're having triplets and are remodeling your kitchen, be sure that you live in a community and are known and know so that we can come and pack your kitchen. Because that's what living in community is about. And that's what Paul was teaching Timothy. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, We thank you so much for the example of Paul, for this amazing apostle who was so passionate in the way in which he lived for you, so passionate in the way that he carried forward your kingdom, not just by his teaching, but by his example, not just through his words, but how he lived. We pray, Father that you would help us to see the people in our community, to know the people in our community, to be known in our community, so much so that when we are apart from it, our heart longs to return. Let us be people in this community that are known as your sons and daughters. Let us be known as people who stand ready to love, to care, to support, to encourage, to carry forward your light into this world of darkness. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.